Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Did you know that May is American Stroke Month? Well, it is, and we here at RTU are asking you sometime during the month of May to go to strokeassociation.org and educate yourself. Why is American Stroke Month important? Well, did you know that every 40 seconds someone has a stroke? Did you know that one out of six people will suffer a stroke in his or her lifetime? Did you know that stroke is the leading cause of disability in the United States? Did you know it's the number five cause of death in the United States? We need to make more and more people aware that stroke threatens millions of American lives, young and old, male and female, from every background. And at the same time, stroke is largely preventable, treatable, and beatable. Every May, the American Heart Association with the American Stroke Association recognize American Stroke Month by rallying the nation around the cause because together we can end stroke. So go to strokeassociation.org and learn how to become what's called a stroke hero. Learn the signs. Learn how to recognize the signs. Learn how to be a prevention method yourself. You could be the difference between life and death, between full recovery and permanent disability. Go to strokeassociation.org and educate yourself about it. It's important, folks. It really is. Take a second and go do it. Okay, now time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're tonight's entertainment. Hold the phone. Hey, brother. This is serious. Serious. We could make you delirious. Delirious. Just a bit outside. Just gotta stop, man. We keep having the same conversation. Number 233. Hi. We're going to talk about New York sports for the next two plus hours. Well, mostly New York sports. Hi, welcome to the show. We are streaming recording live tonight on Thursday, May the 28th at 10 p.m. We are live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. Actually, Manhattan. DJ's in the big city. He's like Dunstan checks in. He's at a hotel and he's like a monkey running amok in a hotel. No, he's not. Anyway, we'll talk to him later. We have a ton of New York sports to talk to you about, so welcome to the program. I am one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro, 
also known as Sampeet. Hi. Get yourself a cup of coffee. Get yourself an adult beverage. Get yourself a glass of wine, a little vino, a little vin. It's Thursday night, 10 p.m. Time. Parade on Logan Collins. Happy night. Can't say it any faster. Okay. Whoo, doctor. We have got a ton to talk about tonight. The Mets, the Yankees, the Jets, the New York Rangers involved in a Game 7. The Chicago Blackhawks and Anaheim Mighty Ducks involved in a Game 7 as well. Hi, welcome to the program. I am the aforementioned Sam Pete. Thanks for joining us. This is episode number 233. We have done this 233-ish times over the course of five and a half years. Um... You know, it's not that big a deal. We're going to talk about sports nice. That's it. My grandmother used to say, I'll make a cup of coffee nice, and that's where that comes from. We're going to talk about sports nice. Maybe have a little schwigadel. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, let's get to it. Shall we? We may actually be joined by some of the guys from Turn on the Jets later, too, to talk about the Jets. We might. I don't. Cal's shaking his head furiously. No. Let's bring uh, Cal in. Let's bring him in. Hell. So PJ can work the studio. PJ is doing the entire show on his iPhone tonight. This is like an experiment. He has the studio up in his iPhone. I don't know what he's calling on. I don't know what he's doing. But it is it is whatever he's got going on is hot action. So I I played a cue, and uh, he just trumped my cue. There it is. All right, fine. He is the co-host of the program. He is one of my closest and dearest friends. I'm just going to let that sit out there for a while. He is also wearing a bright orange, I think it's orange, Under Armour shirt that uh, on FaceTime is hurting my eyes. <laughs> Mr. Brian, Calneva Calpino, Caliente, hi Brian. Well, you certainly leave nothing to the imagination, do you? I can't see your bottom half. No, no, no. <laughs> some things, some things. Uh, it's, it's like it's like the 1950s below the waist, and it's like the the roaring aughts above. Because that shirt, that Under Armour is loud. Is that for a team? It's an Under Armour T-shirt. Yeah, but, it's, but it's like bright orange. It's orange. Do you wear that under a Mets? Jersey, Met gear? I could. What was the what was the impetus for buying this bright orange under armor shirt? <laughs> I must know. I like the color orange. Softball team? No, I like the color orange. Pick up basketball team. In fact, I don't think I bought it myself. So it was a gift. I believe it was a gift. All right, then I'm now making fun of a gift and I feel bad. From my beloved mother. From from Barbara? I think. Herself? I, this could have been uh, <laughs> my, a 40th birthday present, if I recall correctly. That's what you got for the big 40th birthday from, from the mom? No, I couldn't. I had to have gotten this the year before. Right. Because then that would make her a horrible mother. Right. Her big 40th birthday gift to you was an orange Under Armour t-shirt. Right. Which she's not a horrible mother. That's the first thing. She's not. She's and, a dream. She's... And, the, and the second thing is that I did not just get one 
Under Armour t-shirt that year. I got two. Have you noticed as we've gotten older, the gifts from the parents, especially the moms, it's more about volume. It's more about quantity. Like I'll get, I'll get like four t-shirts. They may not be the t-shirts I want, but I get four of them. That's a lot. Yeah. Or I get two dress shirts. Now, maybe one will work and one won't. My mother doesn't listen to the program, so I'm not going to insult her. So one one of these polo button-downs, I'll certainly wear it. The other one, there's no chance. I don't know what job my mother thinks I have sometimes. Because I don't have to get dressed up for work. I can wear, like, shorts and a T-shirt to work. I'm a 41-year-old man. I can wear shorts and a T-shirt to work. The dream has come true. It must be nice. It is. It is. It's a, it's a, when, it, when it comes raise time... And like review time, I seldom ask for anything more than my standard raise because I get to wear shorts and a t-shirt to work at age 41. Right. But she'll buy me like a Donald Trump with like the like this the dress shirt with like the sleeves that need cufflinks and like, I when am I going to wear this? You never know when you're going to have an important meeting a big and you're going to need to dress powerful. <laughs> yeah. She gets me the dress shirt with the two different, like, the different color collar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When the frig, I mean. So I get that. I get two dress shirts. One's going to work, but it's volume. And that appears to be the situation for you here. Three Under Armour shirts. Two. Two Under Armour shirts. I'm wearing the orange one. They're not cheap. What color do you think the other one was? I would say met blue. It was blue. Yeah. Practical. Islander blue. She knows you well. Your mom. Blue. She yes. <laughs> so how are you, buddy? Good. And yourself? I'm well. Good. Change is going on. Changes. You know what the best part about ch ch changes is? Well, the eighty six Met video. The eighty six Met video. That's right. For the for the uninitiated uninitiated, the New York Mets have a video in their their rich video history um, library library called 86 a year to remember uh, or no it's the 25th anniversary one a year to remember a remember <laughs> it's a year to remember it was narrated by Toby Keith <laughs> narrated by Vince Gill <laughs> 1986 Matt's a year to remember that is some year so that's that's Larry the Cable Guy. It's actually I was going Tommy Lee Jones there a little bit. <laughs> that's a year, remember? Okay. He has. I got, don't care. <laughs> they have won 108 games, and they are in the World Series. <laughs> um, no, it's the 25th anniversary one. Right. And every time, uh, so this came out in '86, '87. Would have come out in '86. Seven, probably. No, no, but remember, Keith is in it. Hernandez is in it, saying, "I hope it's the '69 Mets, the '73 Mets, and the '86 Mets." But it hasn't happened yet. Right. Well, it was. It was a year. It was the 1986 retrospective, not the 25th anniversary video, Cal. The 25th anniversary video has to come out before they win the World Series in '86, because there's no '86 World Series highlights on it. Oh, I don't know. It's a history of the team. 
Ah, uh, then I'm thinking of a different video. Then, then there, this... there are 86 season highlights on it, but not World Series highlights. All right, so the the video with Wild Boys that was a different video. That's 86 year to remember. 86 year to remember. That's what we're talking about. No, I'm talking about the history of the Mets on their 25th anniversary. I'm so that's confused. where it changes is. Okay, got it. And it, because it comes up the first time when they trade Seaver. Right. Or the first time it comes up actually is when they, I think it comes up before that. But then it comes Yogi up when Guerra? they, maybe, but when they trade Seaver and Kingman on Black Monday. Right. It's, and then the graphic comes up and the David Bowie song, changes. And it's a picture and it says traded with the right. date. That's this, where this, this was cutting edge. Uh, oh, graphics it was huge. That time. And I, to this day, K-Mac and I, my buddy Kevin McWalters, huge Met uh, Giant Islander fan, and we grew up together. Anytime, wait, 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 anytime something is going on, yeah, like that's that way in life. Like I, I was telling him the other day about everything that's going on with me, and he just typed back, changes. <laughs> And then and then he wrote and he writes in big letter or uh, capital letters traded right of course it's that that those two videos were so like influential for us well and then there was the third video that year was the let's go Mets the let's go Mets video. video right which I there... just introduced Wesley and Casey to oh they're in love yeah why'd you lose all our cards I did my best kids good. You lost all our cards. Dad, Doc. What a mess. Knowing what Doc, we know now. He couldn't even get two words out. He couldn't even get <laughs> All he had to do was say two words, and he couldn't even do it without shaking his head violently and looking off to the <laughs> side. And... He had to. He had a, like a whole monologue they had to cut out of that video. You know, the worst part about that is that that was the best take that was right. That was the take they had to use, right? They probably shot that a, a number of times, and that's what they went with. Couldn't you imagine Carter at that time being like, "Come on," like because they called him Gary Cody, uh, Kodak, you know? Yeah, that. but I also I also believe he was just an shocks guy that was just like, "Ah, oh, we'll do it again." Yeah, that's okay. It would be do great, it again, Doc. It would be great if he was the opposite of that, and he was like a complete Hollywood prima donna who was like, "Cut." Son of a- I will be in my I will be in my trailer. When Gooden gets it together, I will be back on this set. Kicks the kids' baseball cards. I can't work like this. He stinks. Cut. I can't. I don't know what you're doing here, Doc. What's your motivation? Um. Anyway. Changes. Going back to K Mac, he's a huge Met fan, but a giant Islander fan. Yep. Wow. Weird combo. Strange. Yep. Well, he got the Giants in there from his dad. We've had Kevin on the show before, and and uh, we will have him on again come football season because he's a great. He's our best Giant fan. He's he's the best Giant fan we're gonna find. And by the way, in the draft this year, he got, I think it was eleven out of fifteen, for the first fifteen picks. No kidding. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, his dad, a big New York Giants baseball fan, so that's right. where he gets the Mets from. And his dad grew up in the Bronx, huge Giants fan. But then Islanders, living on Long Island, his dad moved to Long Island in 1968. Yeah. 
So they, oh, that's good. So he's got he's got some success in there. He's got it. He gets to enjoy the Giants. Good for him. That's it. Um, buddy, we got a huge show. Uh, should we introduce the bishop and then we got to let him go? Uh, yeah, I guess till the till the end of the till till we get to the fun load. He's got a ton to talk about in the fun load. So let's let's, let's just introduce him, and then we'll do the sport. We're not he's not even gonna get to talk, right? We're just gonna introduce nope. him. Just the music. All right. If if we were gonna allow him to talk, it would be after that music. Right, but we're not. So we're not gonna do that. Oh, we're joking. Hi, PJ. Oh, you men. <laughs> well, that was that was the butchest thing you've ever said. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Where are you tonight? Are you parking cars down on like Listen 45th and Amsterdam? For what it's worth, I could be on the top Definitely of the garage. Mountain. I've got, <laughs> I've got the whole thing, the whole studio set up, the whole board is running off my phone. I'm so impressed by this, you have no idea. So the whole blog talk radio studio setup is on your phone right now. It's not supposed to be. It, 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 if you try to run it on iOS, it tells you I can't run on iOS. So Does I went it actually and I got tell you that. Like does yes. Siri come on and be like, I can't. I'm sorry, buddy. Well, it's a it's a warning window that says this is not going to work the way you want it to work. Jacket. So I said, let me get Chrome, and I and I and I installed Chrome and. It looks like it's working. It is. It's a, first of all, you've played all the cues in the studio. Second of all, we hear you loud and clear. Now, what are you calling in on, man? What are you doing? I, I'm wearing one of those those headsets and and plugged into an iPhone 5s. This is the hottest thing you've ever done, tech wise. Tech week on RTU. This completely trumps my my home recording studio. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, the great thing is you have like a $50,000 professional recording studio at your house. Can't do any of this. Can't do any of this. Tonight, you are running the entire show and calling in on an iPhone 5S. I have a $15,000 reel-to-reel machine, which does not help us. (laughs) We could recreate Abbey Road there, but we cannot... And get the same sound quality, but we can't host a podcast. We couldn't live stream it, no. Nope, 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 negatory. Well, uh, buddy, listen, go do. we're going to get to the sports, because we're going to get the sports. There's a lot of sports, and then we're going to do the fun load. I'm apparently, I'm supposed to ask you what you're doing tonight, is that right? Uh, tonight I'm working on the uh, NHL Awards, and... Uh... Ooh. The Puerto Rican Day Parade. But this weekend... Wait, wait, wait. That's do the not same. confuse them. That's the same event? <laughs> what? No. Two events. Welcome. Two studios. Welcome tonight, live from the Kodak Theater in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> <laughs> With your host, Alan Thick and Selena Gomez. <laughs> it's the... NHL Awards and the Latin Music Awards. Mark Messier. No, the Puerto Rican Day Parade. That's it. They just parade around the stage as they're announcing the awards. And the Hart Trophy goes to. 
Honestly, I've I've already protested to the producers that I think the music they're using is getting a little, a little racist now. <laughs> a little? A little. With your host, I mean, NHL Awards? <laughs> With starring we're all, John Tavares, Mark Anthony, <laughs> Sidney Crosby, Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> Don Cherry, Sashato. <laughs> Musical guests, Five for Fighting, and <laughs> Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> Musical guests, Rush, and... <laughs> Rush. Rush. That was the most the Canadian band I could think of. And a special tribute to a, Scott Gomez. A Gobel. little heavy-handed. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award to Scott Gomez. Oh, boy. Well, I think we're bordering on racist. Well, please uh, enjoy that. Come back and talk to us in a bit. Can you do that? Uh, I would love to. Okay. Do you have any spoiler alerts for the NHL awards? Uh, No. No. Okay. He's lying, Cal. Totally lying. Nothing's going to happen. It's going to be a boring show. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, we try to give out some awards and, uh, you know, try to do the best we can uh, with the awards. And, uh, you know, we're going to really uh, try to, you know, just take it one award at a time and, uh, you know, really That's go out there. Every and every acceptance uh... speech. <laughs> That's every acceptance speech. Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, well, you know, I just I just to tried to, uh... I wanted to play and I appreciate getting me able to play the game that I wanted to play. I really loved the game and uh, loved all my teammates and uh, just uh, really tried to uh, to play the game the right way and support the organization the best I could. And, uh, you know, Brooksy and Millsy and uh, Johnner and, uh, and uh, you know, <laughs> they all are. Believe it or not. Johnner. Not, uh, who Johnner is. You could have helped me out there, Cal. Not rowdy people. Very well behaved. I guess when you put them in a suit. Right. Take check but, back later in the evening. <laughs> check back after Don Cherry's had five uh, mai tais. We'll see. We'll see what's going on after after several Labatt's blues have been digested. We'll see. We'll see what's going on there. All right, we're going to sports. Peach, we'll talk to you in a bit. Goodbye. Goodbye. Cal, here's what uh, here's what we're unloading on tonight. Are you ready? or Are you leaping through a magazine? What are we doing here? I'm, once again, leave nothing to the imagination. Just well, whatever's happening. We're sitting here. We're on FaceTime. Not a magazine. I'm doing research for the show. Very good. Right on time. But go ahead. Okay, so here's what I want to do tonight. Here's what I'm itching to talk about. We obviously have uh, some Mets to talk about for sure. Um, then I, I do want to talk about the comparison between the Mets and the Yankees right now. Both teams sort of, you know, a couple games over 500, have struggled against good teams, have beaten bad teams. But the Yankees' version of this after, what are we at, 45, 48 games, Cal? Approximately. The Yankees' version of this, doesn't it feel better than the Mets' version? Well, yes and no. But we'll get to that. Okay. Well, Unless you want to get to that first. 
I, I do want to open with that. Because, oh, I'm sorry. Because there's a lot going on with the Mets that's sort of on my mind. And also, uh, this Yankee team, which we're sort of paying attention to, um, almost as much as I am the Mets. Um, I have to preface this conversation by saying I've only watched maybe, maybe 10 full Met games this year. Is that bad? You're saying full from start to finish? Yeah. The entire thing? Soup to nuts. 10 out of, well, it's a quarter of them. Maybe, maybe 12. Well, you've been to three, right? Been to three, yep. All right, so there's three right there. Not super motivated to watch a whole Mets game. No. I've been watching a lot of the fast the uh, game rewinds the next morning, so I'll get the score. I'll find out who won. I'll check in on the game. Maybe I'll watch the last three innings, or I'll catch two innings there. Yeah. I'm not watching soup to nuts. Well, you know, the only thing that's, that brings me to the game right now is the pitching. Right. But that's only... Three out of the six games, now that they're in a six-man rotation. I have no desire to watch a John Neese game no. at all. I actually kind of get angry at John Neese games. Yeah. I have no desire to watch Dylan G pitch. Okay. And I really, Bartolo Colon, you know, yeah. It's you great. could take him or leave him. Yeah, he's funny. Look at him. Big fat guy running around the bases. Okay. Let's all have a big <laughs> laugh Let's get to at the guy's helmet falling off. It's hysterical. Let's get to the team. <laughs> sorry, that just that tickled me. I don't know why. I'm sorry. Let's I, just all have a good laugh at the fat man running around the bases. Yeah, look at him. Let's let's talk about this team on the field, uh, if we could. Okay. Um, I think you know after this three game sweep of the Phillies, look, they're going back and forth. They're the team, but but they never have ceased to be the team that we keep saying they are. So explain what, what I mean by that. Well, they, they are not a great team. No. They're not a great team. They're not a great baseball team, but they have tremendous pitching. And we've said that since spring training. Right. You coined the phrase half a rebuild, trademark Sam Pete. <laughs> Hashtag no trademark. That was um, that was a perfect description of this team because you when you look at that offense when you look at that lineup on a daily basis that they're putting out there yes it's barely a major league lineup in fact some nights it's not even a major league lineup well there's injuries Cal there's injuries sure but they're not the only team that gets hurt no but we but we are meant to think they are you might not believe that based on what you hear that's correct but. I have it on good authority that other Major League Baseball teams suffer injuries. This team is 27-21. and 21. They're a game and a half out of first place. Um, uh, but since their 13-3 and three start, they are 14 and... Let's see, 14 and 18. So, a lot of what we kind of felt would happen has happened. They've beaten bad teams, like the Phillies, and the Brewers, and they're losing to good teams, even though they split with the Cardinals, which was a generous split. It was a lucky split. It was. So, I have two questions for you. Has this pitching, now that Syndergaard is up, and forced his way to stay, and hit a 
hit a 430-foot opposite field home run. It's just just staggering. Um, is this pitching at a point where you can start to get excited about this team? No. Because? Because it doesn't matter how good they pitch. If they can't hit, they're going to waste these performances. And we've seen it a bunch of times already. They just, just this week, they wasted a beautiful DeGrom start. Right. They wound up winning the game. Yeah, but the bullpen collapsed there. Okay. That was a bullpen issue. Well, it was also, uh, it was also three nothing. You have a chance to add insurance runs, and you don't. And they don't. Yes, I, I totally agree. Um, but against a bad team, I'm wondering how far can this pitching take them this year? When you when you say starting to get excited about this team, what do you mean by that? I mean starting to get excited about the idea of Harvey, Degrom, Syndergaard. You know, Matt. Matt's will be here before long. Start. I don't. I don't think he will be. Actually, I, I, I do. That's a whole other debate, though. But I, I, I really do. I really think that there's going to be an injury, and he's going to be. He's going to be able to come up. And I know well, they're running a six-man rotation. I know. I so there have. There would have to be two injuries for him to come up it, at this there, point. There will be, or Dylan G is going to come back and be ineffective. The. the but are you starting to get excited about the idea of Harvey DeGrom, Nice, I mean, uh, uh, Syndergaard, if you can just get enough offense and beat up on the bad teams, this team should be in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah, but you know what? There's not enough bad teams to play. There kind of are, though. I mean, in their division, there kind of are. There's two. And a half. Because Atlanta's not a good team. They're not a bad team. Two and a half. Okay. Two and, two and a half. half men. You win. No, I'm, I'm saying there's points. There's, there's, there's two and a half in their division. Mm-hmm. There's Cincinnati. There's Milwaukee. There's Colorado. There's Arizona. I mean, you know, there there are some bad teams. Um, and they play two and a half of them like 19 times. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, they're halfway done with Philly. They don't see them again until later in the season. Right. Um, and they they did what they're supposed to do against Philly. So you're trying you're you're directing me into saying yes, I'm starting to get excited about this team because if they beat up on the bad teams, that's enough to keep them in the race. I'm genuinely curious. I'm not. I'm trying, not excited. No, I'm not, not trying to get you anything. I'm wondering if they have piqued your interest in that way because no. okay. No, no. What what's piqued my interest is three out of every six games watching these guys pitch. Okay. That's what's piqued my interest, which, okay, is a lot more than I've had for the last five years. Right. So it's a start. I'm not watching a Mets game to see anybody in that lineup. Really? Yeah, no. I like, oh, I can't wait to see what Wilmer Flores does tonight. No, I don't care. Okay. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to watch the pitchers. When Darno comes back, nothing? No, I'm, not, I'm not watching it for him. No, I mean, you're not going to watch it, but they haven't had a hitter you're watching the whole game for since, you know, Carlos Beltran and his oh, I like, I, well, Jose Reyes. I like... Or Reyes, right. I like Darno. I like Flores. But it's fine. They're playing. That's great. I'll root for them. But I'm watching for the pitchers. Okay. Let me see what Harvey's going to do. Let me see what DeGrom's going to do. Let me see what Syndergaard's going to do. That's right. it. I'm not, ex- I'm not excited about this team being in a pennant race. Okay. I don't think they will be. 
I don't think they can be as currently constituted. So do you see a 10-game losing or an 8 of 10 in here somewhere? Yeah. I could to see take that. them back to 500? I could see that very easily. Very easily. I'd have to look at the schedule to see if, if that's going to happen. I mean, they're going out west. They're going out to San Diego. They're going out to Arizona. Let's see what they do out there. Now, Arizona is a bad team that they should be able to beat up on. What's going to happen? Every time they play a couple of tomato cans at home and they rack up a lot of wins, then they go out on the road and they don't play as well. Right. So, you know, they could dance around and, and, and celebrate and I told you so after they win two out of three from the Marlins this weekend. But then go win five out of seven out west. Well, this is this brings us to what I really wanted to talk to you about tonight, which is why is it that this team, this fan base, cannot handle success? Why is it? It's very this, and, and these announcers. <laughs> why? I mean, why is it that they simply... I mean, because Josh Lewin and Harry Rose are off the reservation. I can't... Well, they're, they're on a reservation in the Catskills is where they are. They're awful. They're awful. They, they don't treat it as a baseball game. They nope. treat it as a comedy hour. Or comedy three hours, as it were. Whatever it were, yeah. It's I, I, like a review. Cal, it's at a record. It's every every other thought out of their mouth. They have to come up with some sort of wit, you know, witty it's, it's shtick pun. It's all shtick. It's, it's all shtick. Like, why are they not calling a baseball game anymore? Calling the baseball game is secondary. Absolutely. To getting their shtick over. Was not was. That was Josh Lewin tried to work in completely needlessly. Well, because of the dinosaurs. Yeah, I I know. Was not was. Everybody walked the dinosaur. I know. I know. Did you get it? I do. Did you get it? Everybody gets it. No, it had chill. it had no place in a baseball game. I'll bet you a lot of people didn't get it. That's what he's hoping for. He's hoping that people think you know the, these few people get it and look how. Yeah, but it's you know what? Every friggin' pitch. We're one of the few, we are two of the few that got it, and we weren't impressed. It's not a matter of, well, unimpressed, yes. Actually infuriated because what Josh Lewin is needless in the ballgame. Needless. Right. You've said this countless times this season, Bryce, so I'm not going to take the line away from you because it's completely right. They have. They have. I don't know what the line is. They have absolutely <laughs> ruined. Line. Line. <laughs> Your line here is. They have. They've they ruined have, the game. They've, they've ruined. They, they've ruined the easy. What? The best thing. They've ruined one of the best things in life. Yes. You know, I'm 41 years old. One of the greatest joys I have in life is listening to a ball game on the radio. That's it. I could be mowing the lawn. I could be laying in bed. I could be washing the... Whatever I'm doing. Driving your car. Driving my car. Talking to my kids. <laughs> Ignoring my children. Listening to the game. Listening to a ball game. That's what we grew up on. We grew up on Bob Murphy. They have ruined Kiner, one of the greatest joys in life. Yeah, they've ruined it. And Josh Lewin has ruined Howie Rose. <laughs> That's right. He's ruined Howie Rose. Howie Rose was never like this. Howie Rose... Always, always had shtick. Always. Yes. Never, I'm not going to say that he didn't. But it was well-placed. It shtick. was perfectly placed. 
He knew when to use it, when not to use it. Now they're trying to outstick each other. It's every pitch. It's Awful. every pitch. Look, they're doing a job. I don't want to get on them for doing their job, but but they're not they're, doing their job. Well, they are. Well, they're calling a baseball game, but, but his job is not to not to call a baseball game and audition for you know to pass at the comedy store. I mean, it's it's not his job. No. We how many times have we had our Yankee fan friends get all over John Sterling? Because it's all about shtick and not calling a game. We have Yankee fan friends who can't listen to the Yankees on the radio. Cannot. Right. right. Because John Sterling and Susan Waldman, to a lesser degree, but John Sterling has ruined listening to baseball for them. Well, guess what, Yankee fans? We're in. It's happening over here. I give you Josh Lewin. He's awful. And you notice when Josh Lewin is not there and Wayne Randazzo fills in, it's like listening to a, an actual broadcast of a yeah, baseball game. Yeah, an actual baseball game. Yep. As opposed to Shecky Green's one-night stand uh, at uh, the Copacabana in 1963. I'm waiting for Jackie Mason to come out. And, uh, and just, you know... Yeah, it's awful. It's terrible. Stop with the referencing. Stop. Right. There's and you're reason. referencing things that, that 90% of the audience are never going to understand. And even if they do understand, they're not going to think you're clever or smart. Well, they must. Steve, they must. I know. Because he keeps, he's, he's only doing it more. It's us. So the producers must be telling them more. We need more Seinfeld references. Don't you? <laughs> Haven't had enough. Yeah. Don't you think that this Yankee season, the Yankees, I think, are 24. No, I'm, I'm tying this back to the Mets. Oh, okay. And what's actually going on on the field. So the Mets have beat up on bad teams, and they've lost to good teams. Oh, and I have to answer your question when you're done. Right. Don't you think, though, this Yankee season, where Yankee fans came in with lower expectations than they've had in a long time, and a very, like, wait and see about this team, they've overachieved. Pineda's been great. You know, certain guys have played great. And they've managed to stay in first place in a very winnable American League East. Yeah, they're bouncing back and forth, but they're in first place right now. And 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 I think it's a more satisfying 25 and 22. Their 25 and 22 is getting the best out of what they have. The Mets 27 and 21 is not. You know why? Because the Mets should be better. You know no. why? Because the general manager failed to make them better. But but the roster as currently constituted, twenty seven and twenty one is, is a very good record. But that's not but the roster as currently constituted is not the issue. The issue is the roster never should have been constituted in this way. Well, yes. That's right. And being twenty seven and twenty one with this roster validates him for not doing anything. Well, say, see, See, look, we're. I think, I think it validates the manager more than anything. He says, "Look, we're six games over five hundred. Yeah. What, what we've did you had want me to do?" All these injuries, and yeah, yeah. Look, the manager still sucks. I don't care. He's wound as tight as a drum. At the end of that three-game sweep, he was a disaster. Yeah, and then he said, "We're gonna we're gonna turn it around, and it starts tomorrow." Yeah. And they haven't lost since. Well, it's easy to say when the Phillies are coming to town and running, you know, Jerome Williams and a spot starter in the third game, who's throwing batting practice. 
I think the Yankees 25 and 22 is more satisfying. I really do. Okay. And now they're going to a six-man rotation. Tell me about the six-man rotation. Well, they're going to pitch a guy uh, every night for six games, and then on the seventh day they'll turn the roster, the rotation around. Okay, great. Is that they're what you were asking? Clear, cleared up. Six-man rotation. <laughs> they're six-man. No. The six-man rotation. I didn't know. I didn't know we were explaining baseball tonight. Oh, I thought this was like uh, <laughs> this week in baseball. Twib notes. Twib notes. Uh, the six-man rotation is essentially what the okay. There's there's two reasons here. What they tell us is they're trying to save the arms of their pitchers. Right. Harvey's on an innings limit coming off. Which the is time not of a, not a terrible thing. It's not. This is what they're telling us. This is why they're doing it. This is what they'd have you believe. <laughs> right. When the real reason, I, I think, is that they didn't want to tell Dylan G that he had to go to the bullpen. Right. Because he's a veteran. And he's and also going to be ineffective in the bullpen. And they're very big on the delineation between veterans and youngsters. Yes. If you have a couple of years in the major leagues, you, you count as someone a lot more than a kid that's just up from the minors. Yeah. So well, Terry, Terry Collins, Terry the Collins old, thing, right? The old school, sixty-six-year-old Terry Collins is not going to sacrifice a veteran like Dylan G for a kid like Noah Syndergaard that he's only seen for three weeks. Listen, Terry Collins has been lo- alive longer than most of you. Or wait, no, fool me once. Terry Collins has been in baseball longer than most of you guys have been alive. Okay. True. He said so. He's also been alive a lot longer than most of you have been in baseball. Correct. Well, that's that's a definite. I feel right. Like. Well, just, are there any seventy-year-old beat reporters for the Mets? No, they would have to be like ninety-year-old beat reporters right. who have been in baseball, baseball for seventy years. Seventy years, right? Well, Vin Scully. Vin might. Scully's the only guy I'd who would the only stand up at the press conference and go, "You know what? Stick it up your ass." <laughs> But Vin Scully would say it like so nice, like it would sound cool when Vin Scully and it would be poetic. It would be poetic, and it would have like a lyricism to it. And right, Vin Scully is the greatest baseball announcer ever. He is. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I love I love my guys. I love Murph. I love Kiner. I, yeah. I love the guys I grew up on. They're legendary, but Vin Scully is just perfect. He, he and. Even now at 88 years old, yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> does the show by he's, it does the he's game. He's still by the himself. best right now. Yeah, at 88. So in my lifetime, there's never going to be another one better. No, no. Does the no. game by himself still? Still does his innings by himself. Doesn't need a color guy. He's 88 years old. Um, your so, question. Answer the question, my question. The question before: Why can't uh, people handle the Mets? Winning? Yes, this is the big thing we're dealing with right now. Right. The question, the answer is very simple. It's that they don't know how to win because they haven't won in a long time. Okay. Okay. Um, you've got a lot of fans. Okay. That have gotten. <laughs> Sorry, we got a little Francesa there. Uh, By got... the way, you're absolutely right. That 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 video on Deadspin today. Fifty seconds of Mike <laughs> through his phone. <laughs> probably, probably the greatest. And the what was the Deadspin caption? This is what it's like to be inside your father's head. Yes. <laughs> if you haven't seen this, go to Deadspin.com and look up Mike Francesa fifty seconds scrolling through his phone on air. 
on air. Just looking for the Reds. What is he looking for? The Reds lineup or something? On his phone. On his phone. Which is great because oftentimes... On the air! He's got a computer in front of him. You're not watching him on TV, usually. You're listening to him on the radio. And you'll just hear him for long stretches of time going... Let me go the other way. And you're like, what the heck is he doing? But there's this video of him. He's looking at his phone. It's so great. Oh, it's amazing. Um, and then and then it's like, I can't find it. I can so wait. Just, I can, we'll get back to it. <laughs> it just, and it just moves on to the next guy. Anthony and Seafood, you're on the fan. Hey. Hey, Anthony. Um, they can't handle it. You're right. Ah, it's, been, it's been five. It's been more, more than five years. Yeah, it's been. <laughs> eight, eight years since they've been successful. Since they had a good season, right? Seven years, 2008. I had an interesting conversation with a Ranger fan today, and uh, we will talk uh, a little bit about the Rangers game seven tomorrow night. Maybe if we if we get Connor Rogers on, who is a Met fan and a Ranger fan, uh, and if we get Connor uh, on to talk about the Jets, we'll uh, we'll give him a minute on the Rangers. But I had an interesting conversation today about Ranger fans and comparison to Met fans. I was talking to a Ranger fan buddy of mine about how the other day on Tuesday, just killing the New York Rangers all day. All day. This was before Game 6. Before Game 6. So on Tuesday, during the day, on Sports Talk Radio, in this town, destroying the Rangers. Gutless. Can't win. Tra- they wanted Nash traded now. Like right. they, don't, they don't care that you can't trade players during the post. No, they were going to petition the league to change the rule. Right. That's right. And they're the Rangers, and they're entitled to that rule change. Otherwise, it's the NHL screwing them over again. Um, And just all day, Lundqvist is terrible, and just all day. I don't see how they could possibly win this game. All day. All day. And then eight minutes after that game is over, you flip on Sports Talk Radio, and the New York Rangers are not only winning game seven, they cannot be stopped for the cup. They don't care about Anaheim and and the Blackhawks. Doesn't matter. Bring them on. No chance they're going to lose this game. No chance they're going to lose this game. Or and now they're winning the cup. Forget about. Right. It. I, I had a Ranger fan tell me today. I said to him, busting his balls. I said, "Who do you want in the cup?" He didn't even hesitate. Didn't even talk about tomorrow night. Said, "Look, when when we win tomorrow night, that will be the Stanley Cup." Because none of those, neither of those teams can beat us. This is this is the same ones, the same Maybe. ones. On Tuesday, I had no chance. Well, so I'm, but, I'm talking but, to well, I'm talking to this Ranger fan, and then I said, and he's he goes, I don't think that's Ranger fans. I think that's New York sports fans. I said, no, you're wrong. I think, I feel you're wrong. I didn't dismiss him that way because there is no wrong or right. Well, but but I'm sure that's how you started, and then you back. No, I said, said, I said, no, right. I said, I said, I feel like you're wrong. I said, and I'll tell you why. The Met fan is going to kill the team all day. They're going to win that game. And then the Met fan is going to call up and talk about how they have no chance to win game seven. Because they wasted too many runs in game six. The Jet fan is going to kill the team all day. And then, you know, on Saturday. And then Sunday they're going to win the AFC championship game. But they won't have won it the right way. And it'll mean they're definitely losing the Super Bowl. Yep. Because they had to come from behind or they got down 21 points or whatever. 
the Ranger fan and the Yankee fan. And the Giant fan. And the Giant fan go from killing their team all day or all week to the next day, they're the greatest team that ever played. Why? Because they've won. Well, but the Rangers haven't. This is my line about the Rangers and the Ranger fan. All the entitlement of a Yankee fan without the titles. Mm. And so I think that's a symptom of the Met fan not knowing what to do with success. And then when they get success, they're jerks. They're just idiots. They just are awkward about it. I think that's the worst really part. Are. That's a great word for it. That's a great word for it. Like they don't understand what to do. So they, you know, they celebrate like they've won something, but they haven't. They just And the players, the but the players do it too. The players to a lesser extent, I think. They take a lot of bows, Cal, for they've been taking a lot of bows for beating bad teams. And I you think, know and you know who doesn't? The pitchers. I don't no, hear the pitchers doing it. No, the pitchers definitely don't. The manager does. The manager does. He breaks his. I mean, he's got spinal. St- oh, too soon. No, he can't see that. Yeah, he's got osteoporosis. That's for sure. <laughs> Sixty-six years old. He breaks his back taking bows for this team, but the pitchers don't. The hitters will. The hitters will have a good day and be like, "See, told you, we're fine." Um. Yeah, not not that much. I I I don't think it's as much as as. Uh, look, I don't want to hear Michael Kadire tell me one more time how they're going to be fine. He does. He's bad. I don't want to hear it. Curtis Granderson is bad. But Curtis Granderson's like, <laughs> come day, go day, God send Sunday. Like, he's such a happy-go-lucky guy. Like, ah, oh, huh? you know, I kind of believe that. You know what? I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> that's like Curtis Granderson. That's on the back of his baseball card. I feel pretty good about it. I feel pretty good. No, but the, fan, the fans don't know how to react. Fans don't know how to react. There's no, there's no moderation. There's no, uh, um, what's the word? Wilmer Flores is the perfect example. Wilmer Flores has been getting destroyed by this fan base for six months. Mm-hmm. Destroyed. More. And he hits a couple of home runs. And he's playing well. And he started to kind of find himself a little bit at shortstop. You know, and make the plays he's supposed to make. And he's got seven home runs and 24 RBIs. And he's hit some big, you know, home runs. And now it's Wilmer Flores. You know what? He's pretty good. I'm not trading him. Yeah. Now they're on to the next guy. They're on to they're on to Granderson or you know. And now now they're all defensive about Wilmer Flores. You were killing the guy, killing the guy. There's no. Uh, it's just. I want to start watching more baseball, Cal. I think I'm ready. I think I needed a few months off because of the Islander grind. You know the watching the watching seventy to eighty full Islander games out of out of the eighty nine that they played. It was it took a toll. <laughs> I needed a little time off, um, but uh, I think I'm ready to start watching at least the, the Harvey Degrom games and Syndergaard. Okay, that's a good start. That's half of them. And I went to that Syndergaard game, that first game at City Field, and he is. I'll echo your sentiments from when you saw him at the Futures game in mm. 2013. He's not going anywhere. He under said, under no, no circumstances. circumstances. That was your text. I, I saved mean, it. Was, I saved it to this day. Under yeah. no circumstances are they allowed to trade this guy. No. I mean, I when they traded for him, I had, I knew the name. I'm not going to say I was an, I followed him through the low 
miners yeah, he of was Toronto. The, he was the second guy in that trade, Cal. But he was clearly the second guy in the trade. Like Darno was t- the Darno was the centerpiece of that trade. Right, but when they were talking about the pitcher that they were going to get, and then they they mentioned the name Cindergard, it was like ooh. Like, you had heard the name Syndergaard at that point. Right. He was only 20 years old, but you had heard the name. So it was intriguing because, all right, this is supposed to be a really good pitcher. Then I saw him pitch in that Futures game two years ago, and he's like he's like a monster. He is. He's Thor. He is Thor. I mean, he really is Thor. You know? And he's seldom, just... seldom has a, a moniker been... And now he's growing the hair out. Like, he's... Oh, he's... Yeah, he's totally... He's a marketing opportunity, there's no doubt. Oh, well, you've got the Dark Knight, you've got Thor, and you've got Captain America, so... you got Captain America. they got to come up with something for DeGrom. For DeGrom? Yeah. DeGrom? With the long hair and, you know... Yeah, well, DeGrom, well, DeGrom is all about the hair, right? Here we, we go! Oh, boy. Oh. Right? So, we're going to talk about the Jets uh, in a second, Cal. Are you good on the Mets? You feel good? No, but okay, I'm good. No, what, what else? I don't do feel good. I don't feel good about the Mets. You haven't felt good about the Mets in seven years. It's not. It's, it's going to take a lot more than a couple of wins against a bad team to make me feel good. Okay. Sorry. Still hate Daniel Murphy because I because I do with a passion. <laughs> Red hot. With a passion. He is just. I mean, I was talking to my friend last night. Little leaguers don't do the stuff that he does. <laughs> right. Uh, it's 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 really staggering. It really is. The the things that happen to him while he's in the field are because he's in the field. Yeah. Somebody said recently, like he made a boneheaded play at third base. It was probably Josh Lewin. Well, you know, the strange just seems to follow him. No, Josh. No, no. The strange just seems to follow him? Yeah, the strange in the field just seems to follow him. Yeah. No, no. He creates the strange in the field. I guess you can call it Murphy's Law. <laughs> right? because, he's, a lot uh, like, he's a lot like, he's crazy like Mick Murphy. And one flew over the cuckoo's nest. That ball's out of here. I mean, to settle down with the home run calls in against the Phillies in May. You hang him, we bang him. He actually said that about a Michael Kadire home run off a complete triple-A pitcher who will probably never start a major league game again. I mean, come come on, guy. Put yourself together. And uh, Sean O'Sullivan will deal to O'Danny boy. <laughs> Got a meeting of the uh, <laughs> United Nations at the play. Oh, shut and, up. And Irish eyes will be smiling when oh. he doubles. God, shut up. Everything. Every single... Every pitch. It's every pitch. Every sentence. Um, We didn't even get to talk about Murphy charging the plate on a bunt, which we spent... I've never seen that in a league game. Never seen it. What was that, last Friday, Saturday? It was last week. Um, No, it was two weeks ago. No, it was after last week's show. No, but they were home. Oh, it was against against the Cardinals, right? Yeah, so it was two weeks ago. It might have been on Thursday night after we did the show. Um, no, they played Thursday afternoon. It was it was Wednesday night. It was the night before. Right. He charged a bunt. Whatever it was. He charged a sacrifice bunt from second with, base. With the first baseman no more than six feet to his left. Charging. Like they were charging together. I've never seen it. Like all you got, I mean, and dude is a big guy. 
I got a no. sense that this guy's coming with you. I've never seen a second baseman charge a sacrifice bunt in the major leagues, ever. Ever. I mean, we, we went through every possible <laughs> there's scenario. No, there's no scenario where the second baseman charges a sacrifice bunt. No. And there was a man on first and third. Or, no, first and second, right? There was a man on first and third. First and third. So he his explanation was he broke right away because he thought that the guy on third was going to try to score. Right. It's so, a sacrifice, too. Not a bunt for a base hit. No. So Daniel Murphy thinks that he's going to get a bunt from second base. He's going to be the one to charge all the way in from second base. Right. And even if the guy on third tried to come home, Murphy was going to get to the ball in time to then throw home. Right. Not to mention somebody really needs to be covering first base. Right, because the guy that bunted the ball, who gave himself up, is running a first base. That's correct. And now the base is Daniel away. Murphy. The strange seems to follow him in the field. No, no. No, no. Yeah, I can't. There's just this... Cal, if they traded Daniel Murphy, John Neese, and like... Dylan G tomorrow for like Ruben a... Zahada. And Ruben Zahada. There's your Mount Rushmore. For a middle reliever. For like, you know what? Trade them all to the A's for like Tyler Clippard. I would, the dancing wouldn't be nonstop. You would be dancing like the Mets are dancing after a win against the Phillies. Do you know how fast I would be into this team? Do you know how fast? If you could just dump those four guys. If, if I dump that Mount Rushmore of Loserville. Ah, that's the worst. All right, let's get to the Jets. Yeah, okay. I got, I got. Uh, uh, can you, can I just get an amen though on the idea that the Yankees, the Yankee little mediocrity has been much more satisfying? Sure. Because I expected them to be ten games under five hundred, especially when Tanaka went down. I didn't think they would be that bad, but they're they're playing much better than I expected. And A Rod has eleven home runs, and is yeah. the feel good story of the year. Yep. So I I think that kind of thing makes them a more enjoyable twenty four and twenty five and twenty two. I, you'd have to ask a Yankee fan. I have. They, and and what they're enjoying doing? it. Oh, so then you speak from you've done your research. Did the straw poll? Did an exit poll? Did a straw poll? And I did a barber. That's terrible. terrible. Then I then I give you an amen. We do need to talk about the Mackie Sasser card sometime, but maybe we'll save that. Well, what? Just real quick, because he tweeted it. Yeah. What What's unfair about it? So Wesley has these baseball cards, and they're the most disparate group of baseball cards. His his uncle sent them to him, and uh-huh. he just had them laying around. Cal, they're from like 91, 92, 93. They are the most disparate group of baseball cards you have ever seen. And Wesley adores them because there's like five Mets in there, right? So he lo- so every night we go through the cards. And there's a Mackie Sasser card. Now, for those of you who might not know, Mackie Sasser was a catcher for the Mets in the early 90s. And he had the yips throwing the ball back to the pitcher. And famously, could not throw the ball back to the pitcher. It cost him his major league career. Yeah, I mean, guys were stealing second base on the throw back to the pitcher. If you've ever seen Major League 2, that character is based on Mackie Sasser. He could not throw the ball back to the pitcher. And I've had this problem. Not to that extent, but I went through a period playing baseball where I could not throw the ball back to the pitcher. Like, I had to think about it. And I was bouncing the ball back to the pitcher. 
it was weird. I had the yips. Had them for like maybe 10, 12 games. And then I got over it. He had this, this cost him his career. <laughs> and because he could hit. Mackie Sasser could hit. Oh, yeah. His baseball card, <laughs> which I've tweeted, is a picture of him literally double clutching from behind the plate. <laughs> I mean, it, it is patently unfair. Whoever, and this has to have been talked about. Like, this has to be, among Met circles, a famous card. And this is one of the ones Wesley had. <laughs> so every time I see it, I crack up. Like, every night when we're playing the baseball card game, and we get to Mackie Sasser, New York Mets, because I have to read the name and the team. Mm-hmm. And then he puts them in piles based on mm-hmm. team. It's very organized. Um, I start laughing. And he'll say to me, Daddy, why is Mackie Sasser so funny? And I'm like, it's, it's complicated, buddy. Someday you'll know. Someday, you'll, someday I'll show you video. Of Cal, look at this picture. Come on. I, I know. Have you ever seen... He's on his heels yeah. in the catching position, double pumping the baseball. It's mean. Have you ever seen a catcher on a baseball card not in action catching? Like no, 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 right? No. So like every every other hitter, I've never seen a baseball card like this. They could be a fielder or they could be hitting. That's it, right? But catchers always are catching in the baseball. Like Johnny Bench doesn't have any baseball cards of him hitting. That's not true. He does. Does he? Yes. What year? But they. But he's catching. But he's not. Thro- <laughs> 1975. Please. Okay. But he's catching. But he's throwing the ball back to the pitcher. I know. He's not in the process of catching the ball. <laughs> this is a baseball card of this guy who had a mental hang-up about throwing the ball back to the pitcher. It's a picture of him throwing the ball back to the pitcher. It's mean. Yeah. I love it. Okay, <laughs> the Jets. Um, and uh, it, uh, Connor, uh, uh, Dalbin, if you guys are listening, 877-404-0820, the number to call. I tweeted out to you guys. You said to give you a shout. I'm giving you a shout. So, um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to get to this Jets thing. Because on their podcast, Cal, they talked about something great. Their podcast last night was Sans, uh, the boss. Joe Cabarrosa. No Springsteen on the show last night? No Springsteen night? on the show last night. Or Steinbrenner. Or Steinbrenner. It was Sans All Bosses. Interesting. Or Cake Boss. It was Sans. Kevin Boss. Is not Kev- on it. Kevin Boss is not on it. Right. Tight end for the New York Giants. Not on it. Uh, Kevin Bass wasn't on it. Because um, <laughs> Joe Cap, our buddy, got married last weekend. Yep. Congratulations, Joe Cap. Congratulations, Joe. Joe. So he's on his honeymoon. So uh, Dalvin and Connor Rogers, two of the great writers that turn on the Jets.com, were doing the podcast, and they did a great job. They brought up something, and they, they kind of talked around it. They were talking about how Todd Bowles is running a very different uh, uh, organization, very different practices, much more accountability, much more serious practices, and how Darrell Revis fits into that um, because he's widely acknowledged as one of the best practice players to ever play the game. Um, and they were talking about the back-and-forth cow between Brandon Marshall and Darrell Revis and Antonio Cromartie and how it's good for Brandon Marshall to have that attitude, to give the offense a little attitude, mm-hmm. you know, and to practice hard and to 
and uh, I believe it was Dalvin said, um, you know, it'll be interesting for Geno. Then they were talking about Geno, and it'll be interesting for Geno Smith to practice against this defense every day. And I, I couldn't help but thinking, and this is one of those scenarios where you're listening to a podcast and you start talking to it as if they're mm-hmm. gonna, yeah, as if they're gonna hear you. Um, when we read Collision Low Crossers about the 2010 Jets and their collapse, that great book uh, by Nick, uh, Nicholas Davidoff about the Jets, one of the things we came away with was how Rex Ryan, on a daily basis, during practice, would make and want his defense to win and beat the offense. And even though they were putting in game plans and putting in packages, the offense, Brian Schottenheimer, uh, Mark Sanchez, guys on the offense, Antonio Holmes, would get frustrated that the defense was beating them down and they couldn't score on the defense. They, couldn't have, they wouldn't have success all week against the defense. Right. And Rex loved this. You know, it was a competition between his defense and his offense on a weekly basis. And it set up a very unhealthy relationship between the offense and the defense. Yeah, and adversarial. Adversarial, and of course a dysfunctional offense. And don't forget, too, Cal, that was the year after Braylon Edwards was there, right? So the year Braylon Edwards, Antonio Holmes, Jer- uh, Jericho Cotri, those guys are there, they had some swagger. Braylon Edwards was a, you know, a talker, you know, Jericho Cotri had the respect of every one of those guys, was a tremendous practice player. That the year we're talking about was Holmes, Plexico Burris. Derek Mason? Derek Mason for a time, and then he's gone. And it was really bad for Mark Sanchez. Really bad. Mm-hmm. So I got to wondering, will Todd Bowles learn, even though he doesn't kind of know about it, Will he operate the same way with his defense in practice? He's going to have an exceptional defense. And he's got a third string or a third year quarterback trying to third string trying to gain confidence and learn a new offense and which by the way uh, was Mark Sanchez was as well that year. And or no, that was Shotty's last year, right? 2000 yeah, the 2010-11 was Shotty's last year. Right. But you have this quarterback trying to learn a new offense, gain confidence. Will Todd Bowles let his defense beat the crap out of him every day? It was such a point of pride for Rex, right? Yeah. What do you... I mean... Well, how, do you know for sure that Todd Bowles doesn't know about this? Because he's got a lot of guys that were here. I don't, yeah. He might. So, so he might. He you might. Know? He might have heard tales of this. Yeah. He might have read Collision Low Crossers. I hope he did. You never know. I'll put it this way. It w- I wouldn't put it past him. To have read it. This guy looks like he is, he is turning over every stone and doing his due diligence like no other guy has before. Yeah. Well, so, maybe since Eric Mangini. Since then. Well, but even Mangini was... He was a due diligence guy. He just had no people skills. He had no, but also he was he was again focused on the defense. Yes. No. Totally. You know. 
and maybe, and maybe Bowles is not focused on the offense. Maybe he's leaving that up to Changeli. But it, it seems to me that Bowles has made a point. Todd Bowles has made a point of saying, "I am going to be over there. I need to be over there." The the great quote that I saw early on from the uh, the mini camp and the voluntary mini camp was, "I can run the defense with my eyes closed. I can run it in my sleep." Right. I need to know what the offense is doing. Right. I need to know that part of the game. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, though, Brian, it's a super important factor for this Jets team that the way they practice is not an adversarial situation because the defense promises to be probably far better than the offense. You have to set up a system where in practice your, your offense is, you don't want to say let them score, but they have to be able to get their work in too. Right. You know, maybe 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 they get their work in on the second team. Either or, or they you find a way for Rex never seemed to and and again we're not at practices or whatever it's just from what we read and what you see and and what happened. You know the results. Rex never seemed to care. No, and every and every time he spoke, it indicated he didn't care. Yeah, isn't there a way to? Or I'm hoping there's a way to. Make that productive going against this exceptional defense every day. Rex never seemed to, to me, find a way to make it productive for his offense. No, the way to make it productive is you have the first team challenge. You have the defense challenge the offense. Because, like you said, they're going to have one of the best defenses in the league. And you have the offense, the challenge of going up against one of the best defenses in the league. Right? And if you have some success against them, your confidence is going to be sky high. Absolutely. So when, you, when you get into a game and you play a team that's not going to be as good as the Jets on defense, that's, I think that's where the benefit comes. Right. It seemed to me, that, absolutely, that's the teaching moment. That's where Geno Smith going against Darrell Rivas and Antonio Cromartie and Buster Screen and, and, and you know, Gilchrist when he's back and this great defense, uh, this, this now revamped secondary, is beneficial. Mm-hmm. But it seemed to me that like when that would happen, if the Jets offense would have any success against the Jets defense in practice, Rex would like game plan against them. It was almost like Rex versus Shoddy in practice. You know what I mean? Like trying to shut Shoddy down. Right. And it always seemed to me, always, that the offense was just there to serve the defense in practice. It was there to get the defense ready for the game, not the other way around. I agree. So I'm hoping that Todd. That's that's the only point I wanted to bring up. The guys on TOJ on their on their uh, really good podcast. That podcast is is really getting very solid because Connor is such a draft guy. He's he's a complete draft guru um, now, and he's working for the NFL and stuff like that um, or, or on an NFL side. And and Dobbin's great, and and Joe does a great job. They're really really good. They you know sort of touched on it, but I saw it as this idea that's super important for this. Jets team. Hey, look, I'm excited about this Jets team. I almost, oh, yeah. for, I almost forgot they got Brandon Marshall. Like, he kind of, because you haven't seen him yet. We haven't done training camp and stuff like that. And then Brandon Marshall is coming out and getting into, you know, uh, good competition with uh, Revis and Cromartie and giving the, the, the offensive attitude. And, so, and now, he, did you see the latest? He's rooming with Geno Smith. Yes. He's moving in with Geno Smith. Good. Yes. Good. It, it can't hurt. No. He said something 
fantastic too, Bri. Well, before I get to that, what do you make of the? We didn't get really. To, to, we we talked a little bit about Chan Gailey naming Gino the starter. We talked about it with Doctor Iray last week. Yeah. And then and, Todd, then Todd Bowles came out and said, "No, no, not so fast." But it was. I didn't take it as a not so fast. I think he. I think he did it in a very respectful way. Of Chang, he didn't throw Chan Gailey under the bus. Nope. I think he handled. I think he diffused the situation very well. I don't think it's not like he said he came out and said. Um, well, Chan Gailey came out and said Gino is the starter. Right. Very definitive. He said, he said there's no competition. Gino's the starter. And that's it. Hold on there, Cal. We lost you for a second. <laughs> Strangely. Yeah, we'll see if we'll see we'll see what's up. We'll see what's up with the Skype. Let's make sure that the Skype connection is still there. It appears to be. Let's see if we can get Cal back on there. Hybrid fruit. I want to talk about <laughs> hybrid fruit. We are not talking about hybrid fruit. We did that last week. We're going to get Cal He's back. He's the vamp. He's the vamp. He's the vamping, vamping, vamp. Cal's mic cut out. <laughs> Good vamp song. I know. Cal's <laughs> mic cut out. Cal's mic literally cut out. He literally didn't do anything. Literally. Literally. Um, let's see, let's see about getting him back on. And uh, we do. Hey, I think you got a call. Yeah, we do. We do have a call. So let me take oh, the I can't call. Get it. Yeah, I, can't I can get, get it. it. Don't panic, Peach. Don't panic. I can Look. take the call. <laughs> and we'll try to get Cal back on. Okay. Fine. Okay. Everybody, just chill out. I'm sending the wolf directly. All right. All right. Hold on. Let's get to the call. Hello there. Is this? <laughs> Thanks, Beach. Okay. Now we got it. That's good. All right. Great. <laughs> Is this Dalvin or Connor? Hey, it's Connor. Connor, what's up, man? It's Sam Pete. Uh, I lost uh, Cal momentarily. You guys do your podcast on Blog Talk Radio. You know how this works. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> we've had we've had plenty of issues when we were starting yeah. out. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to. Get, and this is about our 200th show on Blog Talk Radio. So you would think at the, it's it's just a system. It's not. It is nothing you could do. Exactly. Um, and the wonderful part is Cal can hear us, but his mic inexplicably has cut out. So um, hey, Con, thank you for calling, man. Um, and uh, we were just going over that point. I don't know if you caught any of it, but um, I was alluding to the fact that you guys brought up a great point in your podcast last night uh, about the uh you know the jets and and practice and stuff like that yes we're talking about practice um about Gino going against this defense every day in practice and the offense going against this defense every day in practice and how detrimental that was to Mark Sanchez and how Rex seemed to set up an adversarial sort of relationship between the offense and the defense in practice um and I'm wondering what you think Todd Bowles hopefully will do. How do you think he'll set it up? Do you think maybe, you know, kind of unconsciously he could learn from that mistake? Because it was. It was detrimental to Sanchez's development. I know you've read Collision Low Crossers and stuff. Like, we, we saw all that. 
how do you think Todd Bowles is going to handle that uh, that you know division between offensive defense and practice? Yeah, I, I mean it's really interesting, and I like that you brought up the Sanchez situation because you know I, I wasn't always the biggest Sanchez supporter, but that was one issue that was just unacceptable when you're developing a young quarterback. I mean, and Gino is a young quarterback. This is a guy that's still, you know, 24 years old. And it's hard when you're coming out of college and you ran a system where you don't see any of those kind of looks. You really get the ball out so quickly that you don't really have to react and read down the field for pressure like that and go through a million reads. And and it was interesting that Bowles recently said that Gino's seen almost his entire blitz package already just through OTAs. So obviously right. he's throwing it right at him. Um, you know, the beat – reporters have all been saying that Gino's been off target. And so when the pads come on, it's going to be interesting to see how Bolt handles it. It would be kind of wise to, you know, throw a mix. you got to keep things tough. And you ask Rex Ryan had a top-flight defense, but Mark Sanchez, you know, wasn't always throwing the top-flight weapons on offense. So that's when it doesn't really work at all. Usually they have one of the better practice players in the league in Brandon Marshall. Obviously a really good supporting cast with Eric Decker. Um, you know, Jeremy Curley, Devin Smith's going to look to contribute right away. So at least they have the, you know, the competitors there against this really good secondary. The offensive line is going to struggle against that front. And that's where things get interesting because if right. Bowles, Bowles is throwing, you know, all these blitzes at Gino with not really, you know, probably below average protection, that's where it's going to get really tricky. And especially when he's picking up a new system under Chan Gailey, it's going to be harder for him to hold up a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick that at least, you know, kind of a, you know, a safe passer. He knows the system. He's going to know how to look good in practice, at least when he's facing the defense and running their, you know, a system that he knows better than anyone on the team. So that's where it becomes a disadvantage for Gino, and you, you got to see how Bulls handles that. Do you think the early indications are that I, – I, I hearken back to Bulls' quote very early on. I think it was after, like, the first mini camp or veterans mini or something like that where he said, you know, I can run the defense in my sleep. You know, I need to be over on the offensive side of the ball. I need to see what's going on there. Um, and, I'm, of course, I'm paraphrasing. But it seemed to at least nod to the fact that he understood one of Rex Ryan's failings in his six years as a head coach of the Jets. And that was, it was always about Rex's defense. It was always about getting that defense ready to play every week. And the offense was a secondary thought. The offense's job was not to screw up for the defense. And he never became a complete head coach. So early indications-wise, do you have a good feel? It's, obviously, it's impossible to tell till they put the pads on. But do you have a good feel for where Todd Bowles seems to be, or at least his recognition of that need? Yeah, I mean, you have to be optimistic right now, especially with a new coach. But the biggest difference here is that, you know, Rex Ryan went through a lot of different offensive coordinators. And the problem was, it seemed like those offensive coordinators, you know, like you said, were they were the head coach of the offense. And this is a pass-happy league. This is a league driven by scoring points in this era. And the bottom line is, you know, Rex Ryan just did not pay attention to that side of the ball enough. And those players, and we even heard Willie Colon say it, I think it was yesterday, that, yep. you know, they weren't going that hard in practice all the time. And, you know, mediocrity was, was you know, was okay for them. And with Bulls, that's not going to cut it. If he really does stick to his word and he's paying attention to the offense, these guys are going to at least have to practice as hard as possible. Or he's going to go over there and yank somebody out. And there's going to be, you know, you're going to be a change of starting snaps. And I think with Rex, we never really saw that. Under the Rex there, I mean, countless players we saw trotted down the field week after week. And yet you can't listen to the fans who are sometimes right about, hey, this guy can't be in there anymore. I mean, 
we saw Jeff Cumberland have a ton of pass protection issues last year, and nothing was ever really done about it. Um, you know, Giacomini is really bad on the right side last year, and that's a really underrated fact. I mean, people just don't talk about it enough. The bottom yep. line is there's got to be some kind of, you know, accountability, and that's what it's going to come down to. And I think Bowles will at least have an idea of what's going on on offense where he says, listen, that guy's not getting it done, and something else has to be done to change that. And with Rex, it was just a lot of stubbornness. I mean, you heard about the design throws to Percy Harvin when they acquired him last year. That right. kind of stuff's all going out the window now. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's definitely the hope. You guys brought up another really good point that I wanted to talk about uh, last night on your on your pod, Carm, and that was um, we saw Matt Sims get cut today, the uh, the folk hero, Matt Sims. Um, and I, I I found that a to be an interesting move. B, you talked a little bit about Bryce Petty. You you know you you uh, did a lot of scouting on him and stuff for for your uh, for TOJ and for the uh, for the lead up to the draft. And you said something. Uh, that I found interesting. You're obviously watching film at a, at a higher level than I am. You know, I, uh, so I, I can't break down film and stuff like that uh, the way you can. Um, but you mentioned something about Petty's velocity and the velocity on his throws, and and um, and you know how Matt Sims obviously, you know, everybody laughed at the quarterbacks coach uh, when he said he had the best arm on the team uh, a couple years ago in training camp. That if he could actually make reads, he would be a viable NFL quarterback. Um, but how do, how do you you know how do you see this move with the Jets? I was surprised by it. I really was because I thought, you know, they would probably carry four at least into camp and give Sims a chance to to play with Petty. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed with it. Uh, from early indications, it is sounding like he did ask for his release, and you know that's justified because everything I've heard from the last two weeks is that. He just wasn't getting reps in OTAs, and that's the writing is on the wall there. You know, why are you going to gut it out of training camp with this team? You're not even getting the reps in OTAs. The writing's kind of on the wall. You're probably not making the 53-man roster, which isn't really fair to the guy. You know, right. he let him go. Now. He asked, possibly asked to be let go now. I did see a couple of beat reporters say that. Um, you know, if he goes now, I know for a fact there's teams in the league that have interest. He's not going to be out there very long. Somebody will pick him up. There's a lot of teams that need backup quarterbacks. Um, you know, about his arm, it's it's 100% true. I, I mean, I, I, he can make any throw. He's a super strong arm. It's just, you know, going through the reads and developing him. He had a long way to go, and they signed him, and they knew that. And obviously, yeah. he stuck around a while because they saw the potential in him. Marty Morningwake really liked him. And, I mean, it's a little disappointing because I do understand the team wanting to draft their own project, their quarterback. The problem with me is I, I don't see it with Petty. Like I said with the velocity, it's a key issue. Um, mm-hmm. Just reading backside pressure, another really big issue. And that's right. not even talking about going into a pro system, which is what everybody talks about with Petty. They ignore the other two issues I just brought up that are even more key. And, right. I mean, I hope it works out. I hope he develops into a very nice player. But, I mean, the long term for him at best, when my, when I graded him, was that his ceiling was a long-term backup. And that's a ceiling. So it's a little right. bit of a scary situation. I thought Sims could be the backup this year, or at least a third-string role. So, But I do understand if he asked for his release, you know, he saw the writing on the wall with this with this team, and the regime was – they're never going to cut Petty. He's not going to be a practice squad player because the team will pick him up, especially in right. the fourth-round traffic they traded up for. So that's where it became interesting. You know, what do you do with Sims? I don't think they were ever carrying four quarterbacks – so, yeah, that's just how it played out. It's a tough situation because Sims is the better player than Petty right now, and 
you know, the Jets made their long-term decision rather than the short-term one. Yeah, and he, he absolutely, Con, and he, you know, uh, Petty, that is, or, or I should say Sims, Sims is going to be the better player than Petty for the conceivable future. I mean, it's going to take Bryce Petty. I, I happen to like him. I don't know if like is the right word. You know what I like about him, Connor? I like a lot of the, and you're going to hate this word, but I like a lot of what I read about leadership and intangibles and intelligence and, and those sort of things. Not to come in and be a star by any means or come in and play in two years. It's going to, I mean, if he's going to play at all, it's going to be two years. Easy. easy. Hey, that's the right mindset. Yeah, you know, but but that unfortunately we're jet fans, but, but so we know we know we are in the minority with that mindset. But 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 Sims is going to be the better player for the next two years or so, you know. So it it really was a really long term move um, to to cut Sims this early. Like get to camp and see what you. Even, I mean, you're not going to cut Petty, but see what you have at least. Um, I was I was really taken aback by that, um, and and sort of sad to see Matt Sims go. You you kind of like it when a kid is a project and he sticks around and stuff. But um, Con, while I have you for just for another couple minutes, and thanks again so much for the time. And, and of course, this is Connor Rogers who writes for a Turn on the Jets. And and um, what's the other official site, Connor? Because I always screw it up. Uh, yeah, I actually have my own site now too. I do uh, nyjdraftcentral.com. Oh, draft. you launched that. Yes, I did launch that, and uh, I work at Bleacher Report during the day too. That's right. Okay, I just yep. after the after the debacle at the draft show with uh, uh, who was it? It wasn't with Christian Dyer. It was one of the Jet Beat guys, and I had the wrong place for him. It, it's not like there was like 120 people screaming at me, but um, <laughs> and he got, he got all pissed off at me. It's fine. Um, but uh, no, before I let you go, and, and again, thanks so much for the time. I wanted to just get – because we didn't get to talk to you around the draft. So I've heard you guys talk about it on your podcast, but I wanted to talk about um, Leonard Williams really quick, Lee, and just get your opinion because I had listened to all the podcasts coming up to the draft. I know how you feel about him in general. How do you feel – what's – ah, man, the the best way I want to put this is like what's best case scenario for that defensive front? Is it – you're able to ease him in. You're able to use him situationally. Is it he comes in and plays like Snacks did two years ago? I mean, not Snacks. Um, Sheldon did two years ago and is just off the charts. What's your best feeling for uh, for uh, you know his his beginnings? Yeah, he's such a good read and react player. I mean, I watched okay. I watched you know all of his games from last year and a lot of the year before, and he's just so impressive off the snap. And people go, "Oh, he's not that quick off the snap." It's like, yeah, because at USC, you got to know what defense they run. He's taught to read and react, and he stands up, looks, and diagnoses the play. And he's so quick that he doesn't have to jump off the snap right away. He can sit back and wait and. He it was just unblockable at times. I mean, he could have checked out in the bowl game. He was guaranteed to be a top 10 pick before that. And right. he it put on a show embarrassing every single player on that offensive line that he faced. It's, you know, the one thing I think that really has gone undermentioned is obviously they have to keep everyone together. Mo Wilkerson has to be in camp. But yep. this is a guy that, you know, a lot of people go, oh, well, can he come in and be a situational pass rusher, or, you know, for snacks and stuff like that? Well, not only that, you could look at it the other way. This is a guy that could dominate right away on first and second down. I don't, yeah. I don't doubt that at all. I think he could at least hold his own. 
And when you have a guy that can rotate in on first and second down, it also keeps guys like Moe and Sheldon fresh for third down, where they're both very good at getting after the quarterback from the interior. So it's all about keeping guys fresh. They have a great rotation. Uh, I mean, I think it's one of those things where fans are frustrated that, yeah, they took another defensive lineman. But just like Sheldon, when you see him play, they fall in love with him right away because right. he has so much talent. It's really amazing that he fell to six. It's also amazing that Jets didn't really get offers that, you know, enough offers to move up. Somebody didn't, you know, grab him. I think right. he was one of the safer picks in the draft, and I, it's just a really good pick. I, I think he's going to be a really special player. Um, it's going to take a while for people to just, you know, lock on to him, like, oh, this guy this guy could be the next Wilkerson or Richardson. But once they do, they're going to see the value in having a player like him on the front. Jeez, can you imagine having three of those guys on the front? Yeah, if I mean, they find a way to keep them together, they're doing something special, especially with oh, a secondary man. that has so much talent to be really good these next two years. And this defensive line is going to be, obviously, very good right away again. Todd Bowles is all about, you know, big bodies up front. He'll right. play five men down on the line and just stop. I mean, you look at what they did, and granted, Brandon Whedon was the starter, but they were really one of the only defenses last year to, you know, shut down to Marco Murray. And the right. way he did it was just so impressive because by then Arizona's front was so wiped out with injuries, and now you yep. look at what he has with the Jets, it's like this should be cake for him. Yeah, he's, he's exactly. Like, he's, he went – he he did an amazing job with nothing in the pantry. Now he just like you know walked into ridiculous Whole Foods like every everywhere without a doubt. And, and and he's got you know what's interesting too. You you mentioned the secondary and Cal and I have talked about this a ton. And and Cal is is listening. Unfortunately, his mic cut out and he's going to try to jump back on. But he says hello. Um, but he uh, what's amazing? You talked about the secondary, right? And so every once in a while on the podcast, we'll like pinch ourselves. We'll just do like a collective pinch about Revis being back. And then, and then, you know, like I'll just even say to Cal, like during the show, like, Hey, Revis is back. Hey, what's up? And he'll be like, yeah, we're, we're talking about the Mets. It doesn't matter. Revis is back. Um, and that secondary has the chance to, I was trying to think of another unit in the NFL or another situation in the NFL that was similar. And I kind of feel like the Cowboys offensive line, like from one year to the next, where, like, they were really bad or, like, really a weak point for a number of years. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be, like, the strength of the team. Yeah, I mean, you look at these units and both the same thing. They have depth. I mean, when you look at the Cowboys last year and chemistry, that's one of the biggest things with offensive line and secondary. I mean, you need the safeties behind you helping you out. With the offensive line, it's one piece of unit. Um, and, but they all have players that could step in right away. You know, you look at the what the Jaguars just paid the Cowboys six offensive linemen, their backup tackle, Jeremy Parnell. Yeah. I mean, that goes to show you the talent they had. And they bring in Lyle Collins as an undrafted free agent, yeah, and they plug them in right away. This is what that yeah. unit does. They dominate. But you look at the Jets right now, and I think so many people are sleeping on the long-term potential of D. Milner and even Dexter McDougal a little bit. Sure, D. Milner's not going to, you know, he's not going to play a lot and be right away. He's ready to go right away, week one. But, you know, one injury away, and this guy could be a key player in December. And yeah. it's a good forget when he's healthy. He can go out there and he could be very solid at corner for the team. Obviously, Cromartie's getting a little older, but I mean, with screen and the nickel, which is so key in the NFL nowadays, this unit, like you said, it could just be really special. And it, it went from a black hole on this team to just. You don't want to throw near them right now. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, a, a complete black hole. I couldn't think of, 
Yeah, again, I was trying to think of like the Dallas offensive line unit, like going from really rags to riches from one season to the next, like just the abyss to uh, Ed Harris types into the keypad and he's back. Uh, that's a deep cut. Sorry. It's an old movie. Um, Con- Connor, before I let you go, we've never had you on the podcast before uh, officially by yourself. So uh, something that we always like to do when we have folks on is um, – I want to ask you, you know, a little bit about your origin story with the Jets while I have you. And so how did you start rooting for the Jets? Why did you start rooting for the Jets? And maybe, you know, what was like maybe the first Jet game you went to? Yeah, well, uh, my dad and my uncle, we, we had season tickets in the family since Shea. So nice. my dad and my uncle had uh, each had, they shared season tickets together. Unfortunately, now with the PSLs, we don't have them anymore. So not, not know, it's very it, disappointing right? with how things have gone. But when I, you know, I was born in '91, and my dad took me to my first check game. I think it was a preseason game in '97. So he's oh, practically man. carrying me into the Meadowlands, <laughs> right. and you can imagine what that's like. So right away, I mean, when I was a baby, I was dressed up in jet sweaters, this and that. And, you know, when you get when you're like you know about five or six years old, and you're going into the Meadowlands, and you know. He would walk me right down to watch warm-ups right to the bottom. Uh, when I was about eight, we were watching warm-ups, and Joe Namath was on the sideline, and my dad yelled out to him, and he came over and said hi to me, and my dad had to explain to me who he was. And right. from there on out, I mean, that was it. This it, They became everything. You know, it was always about Jets football. It was always about football season. Um, he's really into the college football scene, so that brought out the draft interest. And, right. you know, we would go to games – every year, all the time, and we still do. I mean, even though I work at Bleacher Report, I, I cover the NFL on Sundays, you know, we always catch, we caught, you know, both Monday night games this year. And nice. It's just, it's really just an awesome tradition, and it's something that I can't wait to pass down, you know, to, you know, to my kids one day. And, it, it, it you know, when I do have kids, when that time yes. comes, it's so Got exciting. Time. You know, Got time. People don't understand that aren't Jet fans. They're like, oh, Jet fans are the worst, and, you know, if, unless you are one, you, you really don't understand the tradition and how really great it is in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut area. No, I, it's so funny you say that because I, I came up in a very similar fashion with uh, my uncles. You know, started going to Jet games with my uncles when I was a, a real little guy and watching Jet games. You know, remember in '81 watching the AFC Championship game, the Mud Bowl, and and you know being a seven or eight year old and sitting there and you know watching with the adults, watching with my uncles. We were at a communion actually. It was like my or my my cousin's baptism or something like that was that day. And like all the men were like in the bar watching the jet game. Yeah. And I was, and I was like seven or eight and like sitting on a stool next to these guys, like watching the jet game because that's, you know, watching that game. Cause I watched every game that season. Of course I, I wept openly when AJ Dewey, you know, had the interceptions and, <laughs> and ran the one back. And, but you know, we had season seats for 19 years and those seats were with my uncles, you know, and my brother and, we went, you know, in 97, that game you were, you went to, I was probably there. Um, and it is a tradition, and it was a family thing. It was like an, it was always an incredible family thing. I remember being on the road during the 98 run. I was actually on the road with a show uh, as an actor, and um, I took, I had my understudy go on for the, <laughs> for the divisional playoff game. We were in Cincinnati, and I asked the director if I could take off for the show. So I could watch the game because they didn't have, you know, I had a VCR back then and um, (laughs) they didn't have DVRs. And uh, I called my uncles and my brother from the tailgate, the game against Jacksonville. 
And it was like a family thing. I mean, it was like we were talking on the phone and it was just, it is, it is family. You know, the Jet fan gets a bad rap and often deservedly so. Um, but it's family and it's tradition and it's, you can probably hear my, one of my little guys crying in the background right now. And he already, uh, he already can say J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. He's 22 months old. Like, that's, that's the that's best. Just, and that's yeah, the absolute just, best. That's what that's it's it. all about. And, yeah. You know, you just, yeah. It's, it's it, 100%. It's, fantastic. it's always something that it runs through the family and it's always something to talk about. And, you know, still to this day, the first time, because, you know, I'm, you know, out of my house now. I've been out of college for almost a year now. And, right. you know, still when I call my dad, the first thing is like, oh, you know, what's going on? Right, like, what's right. Going on with this? Yeah, it's, and that's how every conversation starts and ends, and that's how it's always going to be, and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's awesome. Now, did you, just one last thing, did you um, decide early, like during college, to go into football, go into journalism, and then you've sort of parlayed that, or you know, or was that something you always knew you wanted to do? No, not at all. Actually, uh, I went to I went to Albany specifically for the business school. They have a really good business school, and right. um, I mean, I I finished through it. And while I was in business school, I started writing, you know, just you know, a little do a little blog work, a little draft work about the Jets, and you know, obviously steam picked up. I wrote for one blog that had some ESPN access, so I did a couple of conference calls like Mel Kiper, and things started to pick up a little bit, and. You know, when I was coming out of college, this is actually one year ago from right now, I was going on interviews in the city and just, you know, a lot of marketing, finance, all kinds of stuff like that. And, right. Uh, you know, I stumbled into doing NFL video, which was completely new to me. I go to school for four years learning, you know, taking finance, IT, marketing, you name it, accounting. And then in one month later, I leave after four years and I'm doing NFL video, uh, you know, <laughs> never <laughs> right. had any experience in it at all. <laughs> just all about football knowledge and, you know, creating content and what fans want to see. And I wouldn't have it any other way. It's been a pretty incredible experience. You know, a lot of people think, you know, oh, you just, you're you a writer. Not really. That's never really what it was. Right. I just kind of, you know, fell into it. And it's it's really about what you love rather than, you know, you can know everything in the world. But at the end of the day, I'd rather be doing something I enjoy than just, you know, just another job. Yep. And, and you know what? That's funny when uh... – it's true. When Cal and I started doing this like five and a half years ago, um, you know, and talking about like why we we're doing it, like we've watched blogs develop and podcasts develop and, and sort of become what they are now. And even seeing Turn on the Jets, uh, you know, from its infancy and Joe from its infancy and stuff. One of the things we always did on the show, and we always talked about is um, the blogs became where you get and now podcasts became where you get more of your sports news about your teams because it's it's from fans, right? One of the reasons I was attracted to turn on the Jets, at, you know, at the first time was because of of Joe's tagline, "A Mission to Civilize," and I had started watching yeah. Newsroom, and and I thought that was great. You know, Cal and I were really fed up with the the beat coverage of our teams because it was antagonistic. We felt, and also we felt it was agenda, you know, agenda driven. So. It's great to see, you know, folks like you, like you said, Connor, you had no intention of sort of getting into this, but you can, and you can make a career out of this now just because you love a team, you know, and just because you love a sport, you can sort of make that your career. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see that's what you guys have done. That's the way to me, the sports media landscape is way tilting. I'd way rather listen to your guys' podcast or read your website than read the daily news anymore. Like I, you know, I, it's it's not interesting to me. 
because it's it's driven by sales. Um, and yeah, so it's all about getting through to the fan. And I, thank you, by the way, I really do appreciate the support. And you know, sure, that's that's always the best part of it. At the end of the day, is when somebody gets back to you and says, "Hey, like you know, I'm loving what you guys are doing," or you know, I you know can't go a day without reading about it. And that's yep. the best part. And but the thing is, it's all about connecting with the fan. And I think. The sad thing is with, you know, like full print news nowadays, they've struggled to do that. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, some of these newspapers are not doing the business they once did. Online, you know, content is the way yeah. to go now. And, and it's the quickest and easiest way to get to the fan. But you also have to build a relationship with the fans. And, you know, hopefully, you know, some of these beat writers do do a great job of it. But at the end of the day, you want to know what the person in the seats is thinking and, you all want to be on the same level of thought, and that's the best part. Yeah, and you know we've had Dom uh, Cosentino on a bunch of times. Dom's great. You know, Dom stays he's at excellent. a level where he's he's doing innovative pieces. He's always trying to think a little bit differently about the pieces that he's doing. Like when he did the piece in training camp last year, where they followed one player for the day, and they just reported yeah. on that one player. Like what he did, and of course the the, the late Stephen Hill. Uh, he's still alive, but yeah. Um, but that was like a great piece. But like Dom is great that way. And the other huge thing that you guys uh, have managed to do and a number of other sites have and a number of other sites unfortunately haven't, and that is stay fans as you get access, right? So you're starting to get access yeah. to the team. You're starting to get access to NFL personnel. Now you, you know, where you work, so you're getting access to NFL guys now all the time. But you, but you stay a fan. You stay on the fan level. There's never a sense of condescension or, um, you know, pretending to still be a fan when you're not, you know, when you're not a yep. fan anymore. You know, when you get that sort of access, you have to admit at some point that your your blog or your podcast or whatever has become a business and you're not Joe Fan anymore, you know. And that's okay if that happens. Just if you get to that point, you admit it. You guys have done a really nice job of uh, Lighthouse Hockey, which is the Islander site that we have on all the time too, um, does a really nice job of it as well. And that's, they're getting access, but they're staying fans. Yeah, a lot of people just don't don't really know how to deal with, you know, the thing is that when we've always, the way Joe has built success at Turn on the Jets is, you know, like you said, you nailed it, the fan perspective. And last year I went up to the green and white scrimmage and the Jets were, re- they're really good to us. And, yep. you know, they were they were giving me coverage. I was on the field before it, uh, you know, I, and, for all of after it, you know, just go around and talk to any players and, um, you know, but also when I wrote up stuff after the green and white scrimmage, I wanted to write something for the fans. I don't want to just do the same, like, you know, a recap or, you know, three guys that sit out. You want yep. to know what the feel is around the team, but you also want to know, you know, and it doesn't always have to be good stuff. That's the thing I've noticed too. A lot of, there's a million blogs nowadays and that's, that's fine. Right. It's going to be a congested market because everybody wants, you know, a piece of the pie and, the good ones will always last. That's the difference. Everyone else will lose interest. And not everything can be rah-rah, like Geno Smith's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. No. no you no, have to look not. at it from the perspective, like, how can Geno Smith not lose his games? And how, or how can Geno Smith, you know, carry the scheme? What's going to make him better? Or, you know, what, you know yep. what could make him worse? Tell it how it is. Well, guess what? I think the Jets' offensive line is one of the, you know, lesser units in the league right now. Nobody's saying that. But at the end yep. of the day, they have skill players and offensive coordinator that can mask that. So you have to look at it at both ends. It's not always one end of the spectrum or trying to drive your agenda-driven you know, driven opinion. Yep. It has to be you look at it from both sides, you build a spectrum, and then you go right across the middle. And that's 
those are the guys that really find the most success, I think, voicing their opinion or their analysis. Yeah, and that's and that's that's enjoyable about following a team, right? We follow these teams, we love these teams because sports are a distraction, right? If you focused on what was going on in the world every day, and believe me, I'm not trying to sound sage or or anything here, but um, for some people, when you have children too, that changes everything even more so because then you can't read about a blessed bad thing because you don't even want to think about it, and so you really get into sports because it's a real escape from the insanity that is the world. And but it's sports. It's just sports. It's just a team that you love. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable to follow. And so if somebody's giving you content that is antagonistic or or always negative or as opposed to somebody giving you content where it's like, "Hey, I actually got to talk to one of the players today. Here's what he said, and here's where I'm going to take it. I'm not going to take it in this guy sucks or this guy's awesome. I'm going to take it in, you know, he was looking at this uh, coverage and he blew this coverage because he did this or he did well against this coverage because he did this. You know, like it's, it's just so much more enjoyable (laughs) when it's not that crap. Exactly. Yeah. You tell it how it is and you know, don't skew it one way. And like you said, people use this to get away. And it's funny because, you know, I live a life where, Every day is getting away from the real world because I work yeah. in sports. Yeah. And and it's hilarious because we come into the office and I work with a team of guys and we'll be so out of the loop with the news, the actual <laughs> what's going <laughs> on in the world. And it's almost insane. My mom will call me or text me once in a while and she'll bring something up and I'll be like, what are you talking about? And she's like, how do you not know about this? Right. And well, I, I enjoy living like that. I, I Like yeah. you said, I love sports and it's just, it should be fun, and that's how it should be. It should be to get yeah. people away, and, you know, that's the point. <laughs> well, Mom, Schefter didn't tweet about it, so of course I don't know about it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Well, guess what? If I haven't heard about it then on my timeline, then I don't know. Right, exactly. All right, Con, I'm going to let you run. Thank you so much for the time, man, and uh, keep up the great work. Tell Dalvin I said hi. I love his idea that they tried to surround Geno Smith with as many weapons as possible and built the team for him in this offseason. I thought that was a great point. Um and uh, just keep up the great work there, man. Come back and join us when we get into training camp. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It was really good catching up with you. Uh, you know, keep it up with the podcast. I'll definitely shoot this out to everyone. It was it was great, man, and we'll be in touch. Cool. Thanks, brother. Have a good night, Con. All right, that was uh, Connor Rogers from TurnOnTheJets.com. We lost Cal uh, somewhere in there. Um, and also he writes for the NFL for Bleacher Report. Uh, Connor Rogers does. Cal doesn't, that I know of. Um, but uh, we lost Cal at somewhere in there, again, inexplicably. He can hear everything. He's on Skype. Uh, but for some reason, his mic just takes the day off. That's it. So I think Cal is going to call back into the program. He heard that whole interview. A uh, huge amount of thanks to Connor Rogers, um, who, again, you know, the turn on the Jets guys, um, they just, we, we always hype them. We've had them on the show for three or four years now. And uh, they're just great. They really are. Um, and I uh, wish Connor all the success in the world. He's a, he's a, a young guy who's really uh, carving out a name for himself in that field. So uh, hopefully Cal will call back in in a minute and we can move to the fun load. I don't know if there's anything he'd like to add to my uh, my Barbara Walters with uh, Connor Rogers. But, um, yeah, that was – you know, Connor brought up a lot of good points. Obviously, we'll be able to get to the Jets more uh, towards training camp. And I didn't get to ask him about the, the Rangers, uh, who do play a Game 7 tomorrow night in Madison Square Garden. I have bet I have in the world. 
on the Rangers to win tomorrow night. There's no chance they lose. I wish, I wish I was reverse jinxing them. I'm not. Um, they are reverse jinxable. They are not reverse jinxable. I've tried, tried everything. Um, but uh, I think the Rangers do win that game tomorrow night, and I think the Blackhawks win the game on Saturday night, and I think we have a Rangers-Blackhawks-Stanley Cup, which would just be really amazing. It would be a really good Stanley Cup. So um, we shall see. Rangers tomorrow night, Game 7. They've never lost a Game 7 ever in the history of mankind. So we'll see. Um, all right, I think we have Mr. Cal. Hi, Cal. Hi, Steve. I I don't I don't understand what to make of this. Yeah, it is what it is. Hey, really I mean, great it, job with Connor, by the way. I heard the whole thing. Oh, he did a great job. Thanks. It, yeah, it that was, just that was it, awesome. It it just stops working. Why does it just stop working? I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. I listen. I I would not have added anything to that to that spot with Connor. You guys did a great job. So oh. listen. Fantastic. He's a he's a he's a good kid. I, I mean, he is on top of his stuff. That kid. Yeah, they all are. They all are was, over there. They're really just impressive, impressive yeah. guys. I was not that put together at 24. Uh, new, new, negatory. Good buddy. He no, I'm not he saying you were right? I'm agreeing. I wasn't. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I was gonna say there. You you really agreed with me way. Too quickly. Yeah, no, I, I'm in no position to agree with that. <laughs> you're like, you're like, yeah, you were a friggin' mess, buddy. <laughs> you were an unmitigated disaster. Uh, um, so let's go to the fun mode. But before we do, right, sure, sure, why not? Before we do, though, no, just can I get? Uh, I know you don't do impressions, but can I get your impression of uh, Game Seven tomorrow night, New York Rangers? Not, not a whole lot to talk about because they're gonna win. So yeah, I guess it's I get you know everybody's trying to sell the angle of another big event in New York sports, and that's great if you want to overly dramatize it. Go ahead, dramatize. Sell papers. Dramatize. dramatize. It's not a dramatization. <laughs> it's a real thing. I don't think that's a word. Dramatization. No, dramatization is. Yeah. What did you say? Dramatize. Dram- dramatize. Is that like an exercise? Might, might an exercise oh. program from the seventies or from the eighties? Yeah. Dramatize. Yeah, dramatize. With uh, with Robert Conrad. <laughs> right. That's not who I'm thinking of, though. Robert who was on Heart to Heart? Robert Wagner. Robert Wagner. That's who it was. Robert Conrad. <laughs> I you know. He'd have a cigarette in his hand. Right. <laughs> Conrad. Dramaticize. You want yeah. to look like this? Dramaticize. No, Robert Wagner would be. Robert Wagner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dramaticize. But it's it's the Rangers they don't lose this game. Henrik Lundqvist barely gives up goals in this game. Yeah. And it's another situation where you have a young team that hasn't been this far and they don't yep. know how to handle it and they they're going up against a team that is just in their comfort zone playing in these games. Yep. That's why I think you'll see Chicago win on Saturday night too. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. It's that a little series, because they're going to play on the road. But Yes. But that series has been insane. That's been a crazy series. I mean. 
overtimes and just back and I mean so evenly matched in terms of different style teams for sure but goodness that has been some I've watched you know bits and pieces of of, uh, pretty much all six games Cal that is some great hockey god I love hockey playoff hockey I can't I can't take it nothing better than playoff hockey unless unless your team is in it my my boss is a big Rangers fan, and he said, and he has tickets. His wife got him tickets to a Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night or whatever. Like a while, but I should know that I'm an actor. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm allowed not to know that. But you That's correct. Know yeah, it. you can't you can't say or whatever, or you can say or whatever. I'm not. I can because I have no idea what you're talking about. Is that correct. some sort of show? It's a it's a, a play there, a dramatic play. Like a performance of some sort? Correct, correct. Hmm. There are actors, they're on stage, and they're pretending to be people that they're not. Now, I know what acting is, so... Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I thought that's what you were requiring. I I just don't know the show that you're referring to. So anyway, he says... Acting I'm familiar with. (laughs) So anyway, he says um, his wife got him these tickets a while back. And he's a Ranger, you know, half-season ticket holder and stuff. He's a serious guy. He didn't get playoff tickets this year. Because it was out of the budget, as he put it, uh, this particular year. But um, he has a half season and stuff like that, and he chose not to go for the playoff tickets. But he said, um, yeah, I got these tickets. He's like, if I, if I go to this play, I pretty much I turn in my Ranger card, right? Like, that's, that's pretty much the end of it. Well, would he sell the tickets? But no, his wife is going to go oh. and, take, and take a friend to you know, the play. But he said, he uh, goes, and I and I agree with him on this. He goes, but Steve, it's a game seven of playoff hockey. I don't know if I want to watch it. Yeah. I don't know if I would be better off just walking out of the play and checking my phone and seeing if they won. Because yeah. I don't know if I I don't know if I can take it. So he said, he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go to the play, but I'm not going to watch the game either. I said, I'm going to get a call from you, at Joe, and you're going to be in your car in Cleveland. <laughs> you're just like, I just started driving west. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't go to the play, and I couldn't watch the damn game. So, like, I'm like, Joe, where are you? He's like, I'm in Iowa. I couldn't. I didn't know what to do. Not I listening. Do with myself. Not listening to, right, not listening on the radio either. Uh, I said, just go home and watch The Breakfast Club or something like that. Yeah, you know, like just go home and watch like an '80s movie. Take your mind totally off. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. No, he's got to. You got to watch the game. Got to watch the game. Come I agree now. with him, though. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know. Well, hopefully someday we'll be in that position, Brian. Maybe, maybe someday. I'm, I, and I'm talking about a game seven for the Eastern Conference Finals, not a game seven. We just had one of those three weeks ago. Right. And it sucked. It was one of the roughest sports nights I have had in years. Miserable. Wow. Man, man, I wish the Islanders were still playing. All right, let's get to the fun load. On that happy note. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.